CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome into another episode of the Swamp 247 Podcast. My name is Jacob Rudner alongside Swamp 247 staff writer Graham Hall. And Graham, we are back with another game preview episode. Florida taking on USF South Florida on Saturday, 7.30 p.m. kickoff from the Swamp. Uh, It'll be on SEC Network. Gators, uh, obviously a favorite to win this one. Uh, USF is a struggling FBS program. Haven't quite found that same success uh, since they started their program. Ranked as high as number two in the AP poll uh, in its first decade of existence and has never quite returned to such stardom. And as a matter of fact, uh, South Florida has won just four of its last 23 games dating back to the 2020 season. So it hasn't exactly been uh, an easy ride for the Bulls. Uh, Graham, we still have to preview them, though. Gators uh, coming into this contest ranked number 18. Uh, Offensively, let's start there like we do every single week. The Bulls uh, are an interesting team. They're going to move quickly. It's a spread offense that's going to try to work the field laterally. They want to spread opposing defenses out uh, across the field not necessarily from you know end zone to end zone. They want to stretch you out uh, length or width-wise over the field. Uh, you're talking about guys who are not necessarily the best athletes, uh, but they are designing an offense essentially that allows them to uh, progress the ball as best as possible by using quick actions. They have a fleet-footed quarterback in Gary Bohannon who, came, who transferred from Baylor to USF. Uh, He has not yet thrown a passing touchdown. And one other thing I should add before I toss it to you, uh, this is a USF team that does have the ability to run the ball. That's the point of that spread action uh, where they're going to try and get defenses to to, to, to grow width-wise, which they hope will free up some space up in the box to run uh, a, a couple of very quality running backs on that roster. I'll ask you this. what? How does Florida match up against USF. Obviously, this is a team that's going to win this game, but what things can Florida perhaps work on defensively as it gets into this game uh, against a lesser opponent that that is going to have a you know a rather basic scheme? Yeah, you know, you talk about Patrick Tony's revamped defensive scheme and I think it matches up pretty well with what USF is trying to do from an offensive uh, perspective. I, I think that you know, like you said, get speed and space and capitalize on that. Unfortunately for them in this game, they're going against a Florida team that just has better athletes that on the defensive side of the ball, I think will, you know, neutralize the threat of any guys breaking away and, you know, getting an explosive play and capitalizing, you know, they haven't had too much success with that 
to start the season against inferior opponents. And, and I think that, you know, Florida, they should continue to focusing on fine tuning what they've put on film through the first 120 minutes this season, what they have done against ranked opponents. And I think that if you take a step back in any regard and give up some big plays, which really has not been an issue, knock on wood, I don't want to be blamed if this happens now, but it really hasn't been an issue for this Florida defense in the first two games. And to go against this USF team that while they do have some talent at quarterback and have some experienced coaches, some guys in, in, you know, an analyst and Chad Morris who has experience in the sec. I think that, you know, to make a case that this team is going to come out here and expose a Florida defense that has looked incredibly sound through the first two weeks. I, I just don't really see a path forward for that to happen right now, especially when you look up, I think a lot of the matchups right now um, in all three levels of the defense that seem to favor Florida. Right. And one, one thing I'll add just, uh, you know, with regard to that rushing attack, uh, South Florida has actually ranked quite well. And granted, they've only played, uh, they opened their season against then number 25 BYU. And then last week took on Howard uh, in a game that they won comfortably after a slower start. Uh, they are rushing quite well, 163 rushing yards per game. It ranks 13th in the FBS at the moment. Uh, they do have two uh, quality running backs, Brian Batty, who is an All-American kick returner, and we'll talk about him a little more later, uh, and Jared Mangum. Mangum actually accounted for nearly half of USF's offensive touchdowns last year, 15 of 31. Uh, an impressive season, a bigger-bodied running back, a guy who weighs well over 200 pounds, uh, is going to be somebody who's going to rush well between the tackles. They're going to try and complement him with a guy like Batty. Uh, and then, of course... This is a, an offense where you do have a modal, a mobile, jeez, a mobile quarterback. Excuse me, uh, in Bohannon, uh, he is obviously capable of taking off. I'm curious, Graham. Uh, Florida will be without Ventrell Miller in this game. He suffered a lower leg injury against number 20 Kentucky uh, in that loss for Florida. This might be a very solid opportunity, though, to get Florida's depth pieces at linebacker into the game. We're talking Shamar Jane. You're talking Scooby Williams. Uh, DeWin De Black, we haven't seen a whole bunch of so far this year. I'm, I'm curious what the opportunity might look like when you do have a, a dual threat, somewhat dynamic quarterback opposite you and a very strong run game. Yeah, Billy Napier won't come out here and say it right now, but the opponent that Florida is facing, I think, does give them a chance to do just exactly what you said, Jacob, is to go out there and get some valuable, irreplaceable, priceless, whatever you want to call it, in-game reps for a lot of these guys, whether they're freshmen, redshirt freshmen, or some of the guys in the rotation that really, you know, on their fourth year in, on campus haven't got as much experience as they would like. You know, a guy like Dewan Black, who you just mentioned, you know, in his fourth year of football, initially signed with Florida back in, what, 2018? And now a guy who, you know, had to go the Juco route, hasn't really even seen the on-field reps that he would like right now. Um, even though he is, you know, reclassified as a junior due to that COVID year, I think that getting him involved, especially with the depletion with Ventral Miller would be just really helpful for his progression, certainly, but also this is just a prime opportunity to do so, whether it's to build his confidence or make you feel like as a coaching staff that you can rely more on one of these guys, Derek Wingo, you know, Antoine Powell, Ryland Jr. should play more, um, over, over Brenton Cox in this game, you know, guys like Jalen Lee, Jalen Humphreys. Chris McClellan, numerous freshmen, I think, have a chance to get in there. But really what you just said, I think, is the huge key for that being able to happen. Florida has to be sound early so they can establish a lead. And that means they can't give, give up any huge plays to this USF offense. 
And if it happens, it will be because I think they'll be missing a guy in Ventrell Miller, who is kind of the commander of that defense. The professor has been a term used for guys in that role before, where they point out what everyone else is supposed to do, know everyone else's assignments. You know, Billy, uh, Billy Napier has referred to the term 4D for guys who know everyone else's position, what they're doing. And that is a critical ability in this defense to be able to do that and to assume that a guy like Scooby Williams or Shamar James is going to be instantly able to pick that up. That's that's a, a tall task, if you ask me. Absolutely. And I, and I will highlight before we, we shift over to the other side of the field, I will highlight uh, one sneaky matchup that could be interesting for Gator fans to watch. And, and, and one thing I will add actually more broadly is, is this game, you know, if, if everything goes how it's expected to go, Florida will have or should have uh, a fairly commanding lead, even by halftime. Uh, you know, this, this, this really isn't a question of whether or not Florida will win the game. Obviously uh, a, a loss would be among, if not the most disappointing outcomes uh, in recent Florida history, if not much longer than that. Uh, however, like, like like Graham and I have been saying, I think that this is also a game where you do get to kind of test guys out, whether it's, you know, in an individual matchup like the one I'm going to mention in a second, or it's you having your young linebackers come into the game and you're going to test them to see if they're going to stay, you know, on their cues throughout the contest to make sure that they're playing technically sound. Those are really important things in games like this. And it, it, it's certainly not uh, a throwaway game if you're able to take advantage of that, which is something that Billy Napier has really emphasized in the, in the weeks leading up to this game, even against, you know, a top 10 team like Utah or an SEC opponent like Kentucky, it, Billy Napier is, a, it seems to be big on, uh, if you don't learn something from a game, win or lose, you, you lose, you know, it's, it, you can cut your losses. If the scoreboard doesn't favor you at the end of the game by using it as an, a learning opportunity and wins are the same way. This is no different. Uh, even though the, the opponent is far inferior. And one thing that I think will be interesting, uh, USF boasts a quality receiver in, in Xavier Weaver. He's already got 170 receiving yards through two games. Uh, this is a guy who is dynamic, has the ability to go deep. Uh, he is one regarded as one of the better athletes on this USF roster. Uh, I'm interested to see how Florida's corners look in coverage against him, especially, again, if we can get to a point where some younger guys might come into the game. How does Devin Moore compete against a guy like Xavier Weaver Who's athletic? These are the kinds of things. If I'm a if I'm a Florida fan that is going to tune into this game and and really want to learn something or take something out of it, I think it's the individual matchups that will matter far more. Uh, and, and this is a, certainly a good opportunity with it with a couple pretty good athletes over on that USF offense. The same can actually be said for the defensive side of the ball. Not exactly the best unit statistically. Uh, they rank 109th of 130 FBS schools with 35 points per game allowed, uh, 495.5 yards per game, which is 125th in the country, 255.5 passing yards per contest is tied for 93rd, and 240 rushing yards allowed also ranked near the bottom at 126th. However, uh, there are some good players that operate within that 4-2 defensive scheme, uh, particularly former Missouri defensive end Jatorian Hansford. I hope I said his name correctly. Uh, he's got five tackles, two for loss, and a sack, as well as two forced fumbles through two games this season. Uh, Graham, talk to me about how Florida's offense matches up with the defense. Obviously, I think this is a huge opportunity, and I'm sure you agree, for Anthony Richardson to get back on track, both in his ground game and in his passing attack. Uh, talk to me about those elements and, and what you'll be looking for from the Gators in a matchup against this team. 
I mean, I'm looking for them to tear them apart, right? I mean, this is a team that has allowed near the bottom in two major statistical categories. Rushing yards is one right there. Um, you know, giving up 240 yards per game on the ground, and now you face a run-heavy offense that, that Billy Napier runs. I mean, man, that is absolutely a recipe for success, for getting some guys in the game, whether it's Trevor Etienne, Lorenzo Lingard. You need to, you know, make sure that you can build some confidence within your backfield against these guys. And, and maybe even the same can be said with Anthony Richardson. You know, he said last week against the loss to Kentucky that his confidence fell a good bit as the incompletions racked up. I mean, you should be able to have him complete some passes at a high rate against the Bulls, get back on track so he can go back to remembering what kind of dynamic quarterback that he can be and also use his legs in the open field. You know, this is a guy who had a 70-yard run against the Bulls last year at Raymond James Stadium. I mean, I don't want to say that that's a, you know, a regression if you don't get the dynamic plays out of Richardson this season, but they have to make it so that he is a threat on the ground. Uh, no, no matter the play, even if it's, you know, a busted play and he has to make something happen, this guy needs to use his legs to Florida's benefit. And Florida has to find a way to do that. And this defense is a prime opportunity to try some stuff out, maybe that they haven't um, experimented with much before or only recently installing now that they've had a couple of games um, under them and have seen where Richardson, Richardson struggles and, and where he's really good. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Spring training is in full swing, and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I will personally be looking to see how Florida opens things up uh, through the air. I, we know Florida can run the ball. We saw them do it very successfully against Utah, which is a team that has been historically successful against defending against the run uh, under Kyle Whittingham over basically the last two decades. Uh, Kentucky is no slouch in terms of opponents, uh, and, and Florida did, I think, fine not necessarily blowing anybody's mind, but even on a, on a bad day offensively, I thought their, their rushing attack was uh, at a minimum respectable. Uh, and, and now you have a game where uh, it would conceivably be quite easy to find room on the ground. I mean, you can look at BYU, which is another top 25 team. Uh, BYU opened its season against USF uh, and rushed for over 300 yards. So uh, do I think Florida is capable of that? Of course I do. They, they practically touched 300 yards against Utah uh, in the opener. And so I don't feel like that's a thing that I need to see or understand or learn more about. And I'm not sure that we really will in this game. What, what piques my interest, however, is what Florida will do through the air. I think this is a prime opportunity to try and establish some weapons for Anthony Richardson to try and see guys get into space, uh, to get open, take a couple shots down the field. I'd be curious to see what Florida does, uh, you know, on play action plays, if it can get a Ricky Pearsall or a Justin Shorter 
where you know even Xavier Henderson opened down the field. Let's let let's let Anthony Richardson open that arm up. Let let's see what we can do here. We've obviously seen him throw, you know, seventy plus yards. He did it at the the Manning Passing Academy uh, over the offseason. Just an incredibly uh, talented guy from an athleticism and strength standpoint. Let's see it on display. I don't think that there's going to be a reason uh, that Florida will not be able to. I, I say this very loosely, but take risks in the game uh, and, and take a couple shots downfield. Uh, try and get Anthony Richardson, you know, some receivers open down the field. I'd like to see Florida involve its tight ends more in its passing game. I'll be curious to see uh, what uh, Dante Zanders or a Keon Zipper, or maybe later on in the contest, what a Nick Elksness or a Jonathan Odom can do uh, in a game situation. Florida, this is, again, a, a great opportunity to kind of test that depth. And we haven't yet seen, really, I think, what Florida can do through the air uh, and, and who its primary receiving weapons are. I think we have an idea of who is emerging in that category, but not yet a, a crystallized picture. And so that is my uh, focus for Florida's offense against this USF defense heading into the game. Uh, one thing that really excites me, because it, there might be uh, some fireworks in this regard for USF, uh, they do happen to be particularly good at returns. Uh, Batty, who I mentioned as, as that running back, uh, is a unanimous All-American as a kick returner. He is the second unanimous All-American in program history. Uh, extremely talented guy who averaged over 30 yards per return last season, scored three kick return touchdowns. And I should add that if there's been one area of Florida's game that has consistently come up, uh, really even since fall camp began from Billy Napier as an area that needs to improve, it's been on those special team units, whether it's kick coverage or kick returns, uh, same can be said for both aspects of punts. Uh, it is an area that has seemingly been a focus for Florida uh, and needing of improvement. Is this kind of an area where we might see Florida get pushed a little bit? Is this kind of a like what we've been talking about? Is this the perfect learning opportunity where you get a, a guy in batty into the game who's extremely talented, dynamic runner, and it is really going to force Florida to, to stick in its lanes and, and be perfect? Yeah, I'll laugh pretty hard if Florida wins 45-7 and they have a kick return touchdown. I'll say that um, quite honest. Um, but yeah, that's really one of their biggest, I think, threats in the game is coming out and, you know, staggering Florida, getting a, a momentum swinging play possibly early in the game, whether it's through punt return, kick return, you name it. I mean, I'm even a proponent of running a fake punt on fourth down in, in the situation. I mean, Florida last year, I say this all the time, Jeremy Crawshaw, 28-yard fake punt. I mean... I think that that absolutely, when you look at the analytics of fourth and, and short in several situations, I mean, sometimes a game like this is when you want to try it out there, when, when the team's least expecting it, or when it can give you a little bit of a momentum swing early. And I wouldn't be surprised to see either two team do that on Saturday. Certainly going to be something to uh, watch for. Uh, last thing I'll say about this game specifically, I, I think that this is, there. Are, I've seen now in, in the last four days uh, since the Kentucky game has happened, there are a lot of Florida fans who have uh, already announced that they will not be tuning into this game. Uh, and if you are interested in seeing uh, Florida football and kind of its maturation and, and following its season, I actually think that this is a particularly important game to make sure you tune into. I think that this, is, again, is, is an opportunity to do a couple things. One is to maybe you know go about this in a way that or, – or to open things up offensively in a way that you haven't been able to before – uh, to really establish some confidence. Uh, I think that we're going to see some dynamic 
play from Anthony Richardson after a really bad week last week, which will be, uh, you know, important for him and the fan base. And, it, you know, if you're going to watch the game correctly, I think you can actually learn something uh, about this Florida team. And again, uh, I don't know that I'm discounting the very slim possibility that USF does something crazy uh, and keeps this game competitive. I'm personally not anticipating that, and I will get into that more uh, in this segment here. It is time for Select the SEC, where Graham and I go through every SEC game of the week and pick its winner straight up and against the spread. We are keeping score to see who is doing better, uh, and, and we will continue this battle throughout the rest of the season. So far, not exactly the best start for either of us uh, in the primary gambling category. However, uh, straight up, we're doing quite well. I'm 23 and four. Uh, you are 22 and five. Uh, and this is where we kind of fall off a little bit against the spread. I am eight and 12. You are seven and 13. Uh, not a good week for really either of us last week, but particularly you. Uh, opportunity to rebound is, is how I see that. Uh, us like Florida have, have a chance here to uh, get the confidence back going. Uh, and get back into the right side of the win column. And we're going to start uh, with an intriguing matchup from a betting perspective. It's number one Georgia at South Carolina. The Dogs are a 24-and-a-half-point favorite for this noon kick on ESPN. Graham, uh, who do you have winning, and who do you have covering this, the spread as I bend over to pick up the pen that I dropped here to write down what you picked? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Dogs, man. I mean, you said 24-and-a-half? 24-and-a-half. Uh, I think they cover too. Okay. I have debated this all morning. I'm paying closer and closer attention uh, to my picks because I am trying to create a little bit of space with you. Uh, and so I'll just differ for the sake of differing. I think Georgia wins. Ooh. Maybe I don't. I was about to say it. I'm going to stick with you. Actually, I'm changing my mind. Last second. Georgia win and cover. Uh, barely. I think that South Carolina might be a little better than people are giving them credit for. But Absolutely. I'm not picking against the number one team in the country. Uh, and that brings us to game number two. Number nine, Kentucky against Youngstown State. There is no line for this game. And as always, uh, you and I will just pick straight up. We're both going with Kentucky here. I'll save you the time. Uh, and we're going to do that one more time. Missouri, Abilene Christian. Uh, Missouri, there's no spread for this game. Uh, and, and if either Kentucky or Missouri lose, I think that would be uh, worth a conversation on the Swamp 247 podcast next week. So tune in. Uh, moving on, number 20, Ole Miss at Georgia Tech. Ole Miss is a 16 and a half point favorite. Graham, where are you headed? Oof. I mean, I want to go with the fighting Jeff Collins's, but I, I mean, respect to Jeff Collins. I mean, that's my guy right there. But uh, I'm going to have to go with Ole Miss. And Win I think cover. they cover. Okay, uh, I will agree with you. I think that this is a good game uh, for the number 20 team in the country to potentially move up. Uh, I think that they have an opportunity to play a respectable team and, and, and put up some points uh, that will be interesting. I think this is the toughest game of the week to pick. Number 22, Penn State, uh, is traveling to Auburn. The game will be on CBS at 3.30. Penn State, just a three-point favorite. Graham, where are you picking? Oof. Um, you know, I want to go and stay in the SEC, but I mean, Brian Harson has not done enough to leave me convinced right now. And I mean, that that Penn State team is tough, man. I'm going to go with Penn State to win and cover. 
but it's not the most difficult game of the week for me to pick. I will say that, my friend. Interesting. Uh, I will differ with you. I'm going to go with an Auburn upset. I think Auburn comes out with a dub. Uh, I am equally unconvinced about Penn State. So that is the uh, reason for that selection. I find this to be another fascinating game. Uh, Vanderbilt is taking on Northern Illinois at Northern Illinois, uh, who is a two and a half point favorite. So Vandy uh, is playing an out of conference game and going into it as the dog. Graham, where are you going with this pick? Yeah, I'm not going to argue with Vegas here. I think that Vegas uh, has this one right. I'm going to go with Northern Illinois uh, to win that game. And uh, I'm going to say that they cover as well. Uh, I'm, I agree with you. I'm going to stick with Vegas on this one. I'm just unimpressed with Vanderbilt. I, I don't know how, uh, if you are going to spend money on that game, which you shouldn't, but if you are going to spend money on that game, I don't know how you could pick uh, Vandy despite who they're playing. Let's move on to one that shouldn't be close. Alabama taking on University of Louisiana, Monroe at home. Uh, Alabama, the number two team in the country and a 49 and a half point favorite. Where are you headed on this one? I think that if there was anyone who was a little bit more disappointed in their team this week than Billy Napier, it was maybe Nick Saban. You know, I mean, that was not the Crimson Tide you are used to seeing. That's not the team that everyone has said has the best player on offense and defense and all of college football. I imagine they have gotten an earful this week. I think that they go and just absolutely wallop ULM. I'm going with an Alabama win, and I'm saying that they cover that massive spread. Ooh, uh, spread's too big for me to feel comfortable with it. Uh, I, look, do I think that, money. that Alabama can win? Yeah, definitely, definitely scared money. Um, Alabama's winning this game. Are they winning it by 50? I don't know. So I'm going to pick Bama to win and not cover the 49 and a half point spread. Uh, much narrower gap, however, in this game. Mississippi State uh, played an in-conference game against LSU. It is in Louisiana, and Mississippi State enters a two and a half point favorite. I should add real quick before you pick, though. Um, the way that we calculate this is off of the ESPN app listed odds for each game. And one thing I should add that I haven't in previous episodes, uh, and I can understand why there might be some confusion, which I have heard about, uh, the lines that we use when we calculate our records are the lines that were available when we picked it on the podcast. So while these might change as we get closer to game time, uh, they do not for us. So if you are wondering how we calculate that, and if you're trying to follow along, you might hear something different on the podcast than what you see online. So do bear that in mind. Uh, now, without further ado, Mississippi State, two and a half point favorite against LSU. Yeah, this is the one I was just alluding to. This is the toughest game of the week to pick in my mind. There are a lot of unknowns here. I mean, I don't think anyone is thoroughly convinced by LSU so far this season, but they do get one of the most intriguing players in the conference back in my mind this week in John Emery Jr., the running back who formerly committed to Georgia then flipped to LSU late in the process and sat out all of last year and now some change with an academic violation. And now they get this guy back who was one of the top ranked prospects in his class, has been training behind the scenes for the last year. I mean, this is something that has happened at LSU in the past with, with Christian Fulton, 
They have lost players, and then those guys have come back and instantly made an impact on their team. Is that enough for LSU to have an impressive offense, in my mind, led by Jaden Daniels? I'm not too certain. At the same time, I think that Mississippi State is incredibly underrated. I'm a big fan of Mike Leach and what he's doing right there. Um, maybe not so much, you know, anyway. But I'm a fan of his team and what he's constructed in Starkville. I think that they go in there and and hand LSU another loss. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Mississippi State to win this game. I'm super conflicted on this one. I also am a Mike Leach fan, uh, having watched him operate at Washington State. Uh, actually, I got to watch him play with Gardner Minshew, for all you Jacksonville Jaguars fans who are listening to this podcast, and that was very exciting. I've also seen a whole bunch of Jaden Daniels uh, having covered all but this year of his college career. Uh, and so I am conflicted. I am leaning towards the quarterback, though. Uh, I think Jaden Daniels might might have an upset in him uh, in this game. This is, I, I really think it's a pick em. I, I honestly think that even that two and a half uh, spread is, is nearly pointless. You can go either way on this one and not, and not sound stupid, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and so for that reason, I'm I'm going to go with the Tigers to uh, to pull off that two and a half point upset. Uh, that should be a good game, though. Let's move on to something that won't be. Uh, Tennessee is taking on Akron uh, and is a 47 and a half point favorite. Uh, this is another one of those massive spread conversations. Uh, I can already tell you, I'll skip you, Graham. I'm going scared money one more time. Tennessee win no cover. How about you? Same. Wow. Why? So confident with Bama, not with Tennessee. I mean, Akron, you know, I've dissed Tennessee's defense, you know, for what, six weeks. And I got to say, you know, for as as overmatched as Akron is, I mean, <laughs> they may have a head coaching advantage. <laughs> no offense to Josh Heupel. All right. Uh, this is a game with no spread. So I will just announce it and then declare our picks. Uh, number 10, Arkansas is taking on Missouri State. Uh, if Arkansas doesn't win that game again, that's conversation-worthy. Uh, and then the final game before we pick uh, Florida's matchup again, we always do that last. Uh, Miami, number 13 Miami, is going to College Station to take on number 24 Texas A&M. Uh, the Aggies are a six-point favorite despite their lower ranking. Uh, where do you go for this one? I think this was my toughest game of the week, or it's up there. Uh, with the other ones that I've that we've talked about that are tough. Really, man. See, I'm I'm a believer that Miami is is overrated right now. I, I think that, you know, I think that TVD is this he's a he's an above average quarterback, absolutely. But do I think he's a top ten quarterback capable of going into an, a hostile atmosphere like that when the Hurricanes maybe draw forty thousand home fans? I just I don't know right now. I think that you could make the same case for Texas A&M and a former Saban assistant that you can make for the Crimson Tide and, and for Billy Napier. This is a team that got embarrassed last week on a national stage. Everyone's been talking about how much they, you know, raised in NIL funds and the recruiting and how they're incapable of having it translate on the field. And they've taken shots at Jimbo Fisher saying that he's over the hill and washed. If I'm the Aggies, I think that you – absolutely make an attempt to restore order against a team that is in the backyard of the most high school talent in the country. And, and you win that game. I, th I think that Texas A&M wins and covers against Miami. 
Okay. Uh, I am picking the Aggies to win, but I think that it's going to be a battle. I think the uh, the Canes keep it within that line of six. It is a narrow line, so I, I don't. I, that's a certainly a risky pick. But I'm I'm going to go Texas A&M to win, uh, Miami to cover. Uh, this is the final game. Florida taking on South Florida in the swamp, 7:30 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, the game will be on the SEC Network. Uh, Graham, I will take your winner and a score prediction, please. Gators entering, like I said earlier, 24 and a half point favorite. Yeah, Florida wins and covers, and I'm going to go with Florida kind of like I said earlier. I think that they win 44 to 10 is what I'm going with right now. I think uh, Billy Napier and, and what he has, you know, is able to dial up a 40, uh, you know, point, you know, easily for their offense and whether they get a defensive takeaway or, or a kick return or something like that. I think that would just kind of be the cherry on top, but you need to go out there with Anthony Richardson and throw for multiple touchdowns and, and have him use his legs and build confidence for your tight ends, wideouts that are seldom used, you name it. I think that absolutely that is, uh, you know, this is a prime importance for this team. I know that people overlook the opponent, but they need to go out there. Absolutely. And, and show a lot of progress. And I think that we've heard that and seen that throughout the week. And, and I believe that it happens on Saturday. Well, I am, uh, first of all, just to be clear, I'm with you. I think that this is a game where Florida has an opportunity to go out uh, and not only to, you know, really punch a team in the mouth and put up some points, but I think to kind of prove some things in, in certain aspects of the game and whether that be cleanliness on special teams, on the kick returns and the punt returns, where like we talked about, there's really an opportunity to go up against quality competition in that phase, uh, that will be important. I think Florida has an opportunity to show off that it is going to play its soundest game on defense of the season. And we've seen two very good games uh, from Florida's defensive side of the ball. This one needs to be markedly better. Uh, th there should be fewer mistakes. Uh, I think that Florida should be able to generate a ton of pressure on the quarterback while being able to maintain uh, kind of a, a contained concept. Uh, it's pass rush with a mobile quarterback, which requires a certain amount of discipline, something Billy Napier has talked about quite a bit. Uh, how will Florida's defensive backs fare in a game like this against a team that, you know, has a couple quality athletic receivers that, you know, granted might not get the ball uh, in a way against a team like Florida that they would in an American conference uh matchup but but still it's an opportunity to learn and the same can be said for florida offensively uh this should not be a close game i have written in my notebook and i've had it written in there since yesterday that florida wins this game 48 13 i'm changing my score though uh i think that florida has something to prove this week to a degree after the uh the appearance of the kentucky loss i don't think it's a matter of the fact that they lost the game so much as it is the way that they lost it uh i think that based on the way Billy Napier has discussed the contest, based on the way that Florida's players have discussed the contest, I, I feel like they're pissed off is the word that I would use. I feel like they're looking for an opportunity to just really let it all out uh, and to do so in a way that is clean uh, and, the, and the brand of football that they want to play. So I'm changing it to 51-13 Florida. Uh, this is a route, and I think that we're going to see uh, some backups get into the game late. Uh, and Graham, that'll do it for us. You and I uh, predicting a, a massive 
Florida win. Uh, you and I will be there in the swamp on Saturday to cover the contest. We have uh, content all the time going up at swamp247.com, and we encourage you to go over there uh, and check it out. Lots of football, basketball, and recruiting stories going up on a daily basis for you to enjoy. Uh, and also, if you're listening to this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, drop us a like and a comment. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, give us your picks for this week's game, uh, and you can use the lines that we used in this one if you'd like to play along. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, keep it locked there. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you get your, your audio platforms. Uh, we will have podcasts at least twice a week, every week for the entirety of the season. Uh, and with that, I'm going to, I'm going to sign off for this podcast. Thank you again for listening to the Swamp 247 podcast. My name is Jacob Rudner alongside Graham Hall as always, and we will see you next time. Hip hop takes the stand in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.